Those who enter academia as faculty have a tendency to be odd ducks. I include myself in that description. In fact, there's research out there that suggests being a little odd might even boost faculty's productivity. I know I've certainly relished just a little bit in the lighthearted, absent-minded professor jibe from time to time. But being a little eccentric isn't what we're talking about today. That can be beneficial, after all. Today on The New Professor, we're looking at how to deal with faculty colleagues and, to a certain extent, colleagues outside the faculty line that more or less, to a certain degree, make your life hell. This is far from a new phenomenon and has been around as long as there have been two teachers in proximity, I'm sure. But there are some things you can do to nip it in the bud, or, at the very least, extinguish the spark before it turns into a real wildfire. So before we head into fall semester, here's a little bit about the kinds of folks you might encounter, and some tips for dealing with them. I'm Dr. Ryan Strait, Assistant Professor of Educational Technology at the University of Arizona, and this is The New Professor. I was reading through the Chronicle Vita, as I am wont to do over morning coffee, and I ran across a piece by fellow Wildcat, Alison Valancourt, VP of Business Affairs and Human Resources here at the University of Arizona. In it, Alison relates an incident where she was, as she describes it, being thrown under the bus in a meeting that she was not attending. Finding out about this, as it was happening, was a success of what she refers to as her guardian angel network, as someone in the meeting texted her to let her know what was happening, allowing Allison to reply with relevant information so her guardian angel could respond to the detractor with corrections to their assertions. Crisis averted. Allison suggests four explanations for the behavior of quote-unquote backstabbers. People she suggests are insecure and maladjusted, who do not believe they can survive on their own merits. First, they have ambition in spades, but lack political savvy. Essentially, they're willing to step on whomever they need to to get where they want to be. They believe publicly tearing another person down professionally is a perfectly viable means of getting ahead and calling the competition. Third, they are possibly not quite as qualified or able to do what they say they can, so they compensate by tearing down others. And finally, that they are essentially jealous, and instead of working hard to get ahead, they would rather bring the more successful down to their level. 
I highly suggest you take a look at her write-up if you've found yourself in this situation before. Uh, link to this and other references in the show notes as usual. She offers some great advice for dealing with them, like addressing it head-on in a direct but unconfrontational way. But there's more to quote-unquote difficult colleagues than just backstabbers, though those kinds of folks certainly do exist within the faculty line, to be sure. So let's back up a tad and look at the six most difficult kinds of faculty members as identified by their administrative colleagues. After all, know thine enemy, right? <laughs> this comes from an excerpt from Managing People, a guide for department chairs and deans, posted in the February 2003 AAHE Bulletin uh, by Ben Bissell. First, the bully. The bully usually gets what they want because they either muscle their way into it or, basically, just won't shut up. Whenever someone achieves what they want because we need to move on, that's typically a bully. Using seniority or political positioning can also fall into this category, I think. Second, the complainer. I have more to do than anyone else, and I simply cannot be dealing with this added to my plate. Does that sound familiar? Now, I am sympathetic to this, if it's a justified statement. We often have too much we're expected to do in less time than is necessary, but that should be a bargaining chip, not a weapon. Third, the procrastinator. Does what it says on the tin, really. This is someone who never seems to allow problems to be resolved because there's always a better time to deal with them. Or the matter doesn't seem pressing enough to engage at the time. If you've heard the phrase, let's put a pin in that, and then have never come back to said pinned point, well, there you go. Fourth is the gorilla fighter. These folks simply insult, basically, directly or indirectly. Bissell suggests that if someone has made you feel stupid for raising a point or a question, a guerrilla fighter is likely to blame. It is important, though, I think, to not mistake guerrilla fighters for, well, experienced but not particularly socially savvy colleagues especially when you're new and you're still navigating the waters, possibly asking questions or seeking information that is ostensibly, to said colleague, common knowledge. Fifth, the expert, referred to as the most frustrating style, and rightfully so. These folks typically do know precisely what they're talking about, but are made of immovable granite. Once they think their position is defensible and correct, they will almost never budge. I imagine the topic time limits on meeting agendas were originally included specifically to battle the expert and the bully, or possibly the expert bully, if you can imagine such a thing, and I think you probably can. Finally, the icicle. Some people have no input or at least are 
unwilling to share, even if they do. When asked if they agree, they refuse to take a side. Basically, as long as they don't make a stand, they can't be argued against. I personally haven't seen many of these. Quiet people, yes, but those pathologically averse to expressing an opinion, especially in higher education, not so much. Now, I have definitely run across each of these types of people since I began teaching at the university, some more than others, but before I offer some advice of my own, I'd like to share a list of solutions from Stacia Levy over at Busy Teacher. She has a list of 10, but I'm going to bring it down to 9. First, be the change you want to see. Well, at least, be the person you'd like to work with. Don't be hypocritical, and don't try to bully the bully or out-expert the expert. Very often in higher education, you hear rallying cries of collegiality and coming together in the spirit of this or that, but to be honest, often that's simply a tactic to get folks to fall in line. Maybe that's cynical of me. I don't know. Next, build a network of support. Find colleagues who want to set that shining example just like you and bring them together. Or, if they already are together, try your best to demonstrate that you can be a part of that cadre. This is similar to Allison's Guardian Angel Network or NATO's Article 5, and that if one person is attacked, the others should feel obligated to at least let the victim know, if not outright stand up for them. Plus, I mean, attacking someone when they're not there to defend themselves is real classy. Remember that advice people give to their kids about bullies in school? Kill them with kindness? Believe it or not, that works in the hallowed halls of academia as well. Levy suggests being as friendly and helpful as possible. But be careful not to let this turn into them walking all over you. Alternately, go the other route and disengage. And this is exactly what it sounds like. Simply ignore the behavior. While this might worsen things in the short run over frustration to get a rise out of you or to engage in confrontation, in the long run, it may serve to stop reinforcing that behavior, and that behavior could end. At least we hope. Now, if the passive approach doesn't work, you may need to call them out. Levy suggests that if you do go down this road, do not let the offender weasel out of the confrontation. If it's to the point that it needs to be addressed head-on, do it until it's done. Now, in doing that, it may be helpful to set limits on what is and is not okay. This includes setting not just limits, but consequences. However, you can avoid getting to that point by engaging in dialogue once you've established there's an issue. Maybe. I mean, that's the goal. To talk it out rather than resorting to those consequences. As for what you can do all on your own, Levy suggests, and I totally echo this sentiment, that you keep a record of everything. If the person you're struggling with wants to talk about it, 
suggest doing it via email at least initially, so there's a record, as, like Levy says, it's entirely possible that person isn't even aware of how inappropriate they're being. If you need to establish the dialogue, it might be useful to copy your program director on the email and be explicit about that in the body. Copying so-and-so. After all, the problems being had aren't personal disagreements about which sports team is better or who should be voted off Big Brother. Issues between colleagues can impact not just the co-workers in the office, but the department in general. Faculty tiffs especially can spiral into something much bigger than just that initial spark. Finally, if worse comes to worse, you may have to go right to the top. The dean or their surrogate. This is not ideal for a number of reasons. Chief amongst them being that you are ostensibly adults and should be able to figure things out like adults without telling teacher. However, it's entirely possible that this is not said offender's first row, and it just might lead that higher up to do something instead of once again ignoring it or putting a pin in it. The trouble with all this is that it involves humans, and when humans get involved, things get messy. As I said, small disagreements, and not just in meetings, but intradepartmental or even intraprogram disagreements can become much, much larger if allowed to fester on their own. I know a lot of folks will say, look, I'm too busy to be bothered with this, or I barely have time to do my writing, sit on all these committees, and get my grading done on time. I suffer no fools. And these are valid. It's also precisely why I'm more a fan of the disengage but record method of dealing with difficult colleagues. I'm lucky enough to work in an environment where this is a rarity at best. But I have had occasion to need to employ the tactic. Essentially, it's just what it sounds like. In as much as is possible, simply do not engage with a person that's making your life difficult. If it's a colleague, work with your program director or department head by expressing your concern to them about the situation and that you would like to just avoid the person if at all possible. When you do get an email or message from that person, and inevitably you will, when responding, keep it brief, cordial, give them precisely as much as they're asking for without volunteering anything else, and copy someone that has a vested interest in that communication. Who that is is up to you. See, not everyone around that conference table or sat around the room is in the same boat. I mean, obviously. The concerns had by someone with a 100% research contract may be wholly different from one teaching a 5-5 load. But each has a voice that is equally relevant and should be heard. Still, this is why we're supposed to work on consensus and why we so often employ tactics like Robert's Rules of Order to have some teeth and, well, order to what can devolve into chaos. But, honestly, it's one of the benefits of the increasingly siloed academic. If you want to put your head down and work, 
you can, for the most part. And I'm not suggesting that you steel yourself preemptively against the offending archetypes I've listed here. I do think there's a place for a kind of blind optimism in higher education. It can be refreshing, even. Not naive. I mean, if it's going to tire you out and wear you down, make it fight for it. So sure, not everyone you have to work with or even around is going to be your buddy from day one. People you think are on your side may turn on you. Those you didn't see eye to eye with may turn out to be a surprise colleague or even a friend. But first and foremost, be friendly, collegial, and willing to help. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine is very much alive in higher education. Just watch out for that knife. <laughs>